Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor and I'm here with Mike and we're excited to get into the podcast with you today on kind of a serious topic. So as you see from the title, we're talking about depravity, mass murders, and the gospel. And um, it seems like you can hardly go a week without there being a new headline of a, a shooting that's happened or uh, even you know beyond just America, um, horrible things happening all around the world. So Mike, let me just pass it to you. Lead us in. Um, what's on your mind as you're thinking about this title, Depravity, Mass Murders, and the Gospel? And give us maybe a direction for where we're going to go on the podcast today. Okay. It seems that, you know, because we're living in a world that is so racked with depravity, we could be having this kind of podcast every day. And yep. I was uh, mentioning to someone earlier today that I don't usually wade in on everything that happens in the world because everyone feels the need to wade in on everything that happens in the world. And I think that we don't feel like we have a voice that is maybe reaching to the ends of the earth, but we do have a listenership. And I think at least let's talk about it. It's on my mind. I was talking to a friend this morning and he's been thinking about it and it's kind of on everyone's minds. I mean, one of the, even the Nashville shooting that happened on Monday, that um, it's weird that some of the, a lot of these things happen on the first of the week, a lot of times. Hmm. And I kind of almost brace myself when I check my news feeds on, on a Monday because I feel like what what will have happened now, and there it goes, and it turns out this is what happened on Monday, and even a pastor's nine year old daughter was was shot and killed, hmm. which kind of hits closer to home, right? And you know, um, being a pastor, but then there was a you know school teacher and a maintenance worker and uh-huh. and three nine year olds, and it just wrecks us, it wrecks our hearts, and I think we get so used to it, maybe. Sometimes we don't think about it as much. And, and we live in a time when there's news, you know, telling us all the time what's going on. And back in the day, you wouldn't have known for a, a day or two, you know. So I don't know. There's a lot of things with that. I don't think that we're overdoing it by saying something about it today. But what's on my mind is to realize that I could have done the same thing and that I'm capable of the same things because I have a depraved human heart and that depravity runs deep in the human heart. And I think Romans three is instructive to us where we read in Romans three, beginning of verse 11, none is righteous. No, not one. And you know, the, Paul is quoting the Psalmist in Psalm 14 and Psalm 53. And it's just capstone depravity. No, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They become worthless, literally useless. No one does good. Not even one. And, and then it goes down to verse 15. Their feet are swift to shed blood. At verse 16, in their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known and there is no fear of God in their eyes. But what it leads to is, okay, so we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. So I think what's on my mind first is not, wow, how depraved those people are or how that one person was but how depraved I am and even the various thoughts I have regarding maybe what happens in the world. So I don't know. The first part of it is that. And I, what, what do you think, Connor? What do you think about the whole idea of maybe that these kind of things cause us to, to be introspective about our own depravity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One verse that came to mind was, I was just, I couldn't remember the reference, but first Timothy five twenty four. Um, the sins of some people are conspicuous going before them to judgment, but mm-hmm. the sins of others appear later. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then he goes on to contrast that with good works. But he, but I just think, you know, sometimes I wonder if people react to those kind of statements like, oh, I could have done the same thing. And they mm-hmm. go, well, really, could I have done the same thing? Right. And it is humbling to know, yeah, you, you could have. And don't think that you get a pass because your depravity hasn't manifested itself in the same kind of conspicuous sins maybe that somebody else's has you know mm-hmm. we all have the same broken operating system kind of deep inside our hearts so yeah we were just talking about this with the high school kids at our church uh, we just finished judges and there's that awful awful episode where uh, the man's concubine is um there's a terrible uh, instance of sexual assault and she dies and mm-hmm. and you just look at that and go man like is you know how could someone do that but then the, the realization is exactly what you said yeah that's what's that's the human heart mm-hmm. that's what you get when you get broken people living in the fallen yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. And we shouldn't be surprised, nor should we ever celebrate it or condone it. Uh, what I find is you know, people will do things and, and they'll get accused for it because I think they're doing this for political reasons. Like, you know, the gun control activists will come out right away and say we, don't, we shouldn't have assault weapons. Or someone will say, we'll see those people, that group of people, those Christians or that, or, or, or these people, or, you know, um, there's just that kind of, bent in the human heart and i i feel like i've learned a long time ago not to say certain things when certain things happen mm-hmm. uh, though sometimes we forget and say things that we shouldn't say but one of those i think is i would never oh, well, i would never do that this person is so bad you know recently we were talking about uh you know how in, i'm preaching to ephesians and how the in ephesus they were just racked with with just magic arts and just superstitions and all sorts of things. And um, a lot of people will say, good luck with that or whatever. And I remember saying to someone recently, well, when I was a brand new believer in the early 80s, I remember thinking to myself, it's not good luck. And I was pretty superstitious before I became a believer. It wasn't, it's not good luck, it's good grace. It's God's grace that saves us. And 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 you know what, what Ephesians tells us, how he knew us before the foundation of the world. So uh, a Christian shouldn't really be using that terminology haphazardly good mm-hmm. luck you know and i think it's the same don't haphazardly say I, I would never do that it doesn't mean that you're going to turn around and do some heinous sin but i think it shows maybe a pride in our hearts i don't know mm. you know what i'm saying like, yeah. a, like a pride that kind of seeps in i think it does i mean there's that idea too i mean you could say look if somebody's in christ they actually have become a new person right, right. so to the christian you could say something like or as a christian i could say i'm capable of that very kind of evil yes and i can recognize the grace of god in my life that i really am a new creation you know Mm -hmm. i'm not the old person that i once was totally given over to my sinful desires so i'm grateful for that but Mm -hmm. all of that is the grace of god at work in me you know what do i have that i haven't received so there's no there is no place for pride and i Mm -hmm. think you're right it can be pride that looks at that and says oh what a bad egg you know i would never do something like that no if it weren't for god's restraining grace every one of us would walk down that road Mm -hmm. you know When I think it was Martin Luther who said, when Jesus said repent, he willed at that moment uh, for the whole Christian life to be one of repentance. And I think if we ever start getting prideful, we best to you know run to Romans seven and see uh, the the you know the heart wrenching stuff that Paul went through. Like wretched man that I am, I I want to do this, but I end up doing that. And I, I think no Christian should say, well, this will exempt me from doing anything really bad in my life that we need to be walking circumspectly. I think that's the call to the biblical Christian, to the worldview of there but by the grace of God go I. And if anyone thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. You know, Not to be afraid that you're going to pick up a gun and do this, but just don't be prideful that you could never right. you know, fall in a certain way. Yep. 
I think another way that it can humble us too, and this goes in a different direction, but it humbles us in the sense that it reminds us how how potentially you know um, out of our hands our life mm-hmm. is, and and I think yeah. some people might think of you know oh in terms of the odds, like what are the odds that it's going to happen to me? Probably not, so mm-hmm. I can keep going al- along with my life, and that's not really the right way to look at the situation because here for a certain mm-hmm. family it really was them, you know, mm-hmm. and they were the one that that in God's providence has suffered this terrible thing, so. I just think, you know, it humbles the proud heart that has stored up wealth in the mm-hmm. last days, you know, or something like that. Or not yeah. just not just money, obviously, but my life and all the details of my life that I cherish and value so much. Well, under the, you know, province of God and in the fallen world, all of that could, could fall apart very quickly in mm-hmm. any number of ways. So it doesn't have to be something like a mass shooting. It could be sickness or anything can come along. But the fallen world is no place to make our home, you know, as believers. So... I think yeah. that's another way it can humble us. Absolutely. You know, I, I think about God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And so we're not to live our life afraid that something might happen. But you think about those in Franklin, Tennessee, they weren't thinking about a, a tragedy when they awoke yesterday morning, right. most likely. They, right. they weren't thinking that that was going to happen at that school, a Christian school. And so, you know, I think about that sometimes when I hear a really loud airplane sound because where we live that we're in a flight path and sometimes I wonder well you know is this the moment you know that um, the plane's going to come crashing through the hmm. the ceiling and, and I it has crossed my mind before but I don't live in fear that that's going to happen and I don't live in fear of being shot today but I think that that our minds start going there sometimes when you know sometimes we blame people for doing things but other times we go oh no what if that happens here mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, it, we go back to providence. God in his sovereignty knows all things and knows what is coming next. We don't. And we live to the glory. Of, we, that's why we should always be busy living to the glory of God. And I think, I think to a second point, you know, the humbleness is one thing. I think the second point is a, is a boldness to do something that some people might feel is off point. Can you guess what that is? I'm going to guess, uh, give them the gospel. To give them Christ, even in the in the you know kind of worst moment, is that where you're going? Yes, yeah. absolutely. That that we would boldly pray for God to save and sanctify. Mm-hmm. And I think it is interesting that some people will say they want to say and they do say, "Well, you just use that tragedy for political reasons." And it happens. We've seen it happen in the last couple of days. It happens every single time. And that's not a good thing to do. You know, it's a despicable thing to do. A selfish thing to do, but but it is absolutely appropriate to use everything in life and especially tragedies for eternal, redemptive, spiritual reasons. Mm-hmm. And so we need to call people to Christ. And I'll just use the example of Romans three that we were I, I read earlier. It leads to Romans three twenty one to twenty six that that really long Greek sentence that's broken up into separate sentences in English. But now the but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's the depravity and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness as in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It was to show in his righteousness at the present time that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I think it's absolutely transformative to, to turn 
seriously be able to turn on a dime and say, but our hope is in Christ. Mm-hmm. Our hope is in Christ. Mm-hmm. And see, see the, see the world we're living in? And the, our only hope is in Christ. Without Christ, our, our, our prospects are dismal and tragic. Yep. Yep. That's exactly but with Christ, right. we have hope. Yeah. Another passage that comes to mind for me when it's natural disasters or even things like this is Luke 13, the tower that falls, you know? Mm. Um, and the, there's some Jews who seem to have this idea that because something happens, something horrible happened to this certain group, 18 people right. had a tower fall on them. That they're, you know, that that was God's judgment towards those people. And Jesus just makes it so clear. And I think he does exactly what you're saying. He takes this moment as an opportunity to preach the gospel. Uh, Those 18 who, you know, this is uh, Luke 13, 4. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were uh, worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all will likewise perish. So, you know, you just think of what, what's happened in Turkey recently this year or more, you know, these individual instances in America of, of mm-hmm. shootings or, or even the rains that have, you know, uh, or snow that have made life hard for people or I think taken some people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, wow, was it, is that God's judgment against them? No, that's, that's his providence. But if you don't repent, you'll likewise perish. You know, there's no, there's no uh, you know, gold star on your account because you didn't die today. If mm-hmm. you don't come to Christ, then the, the same fate awaits. So I think that's another way that, you know, the Bible, yeah, it just says this, these are moments to bring people right up to the face of eternity, you know, and try to help them think about that. Boy, that, that Luke 13 is, is a very apropos passage to look at at a time like this. And it's like, well, don't do, you know, faulty, crazy math and say that someone deserved this or that or the other. Um, God knows, you mm-hmm. know, OGK, only God knows how he is is going to um, unfold the events in history and and uh, only he knows how many days he has ordained for us mm-hmm. uh, even before there was one of them he mm-hmm. knew and so yeah wow this kind of this kind of stuff really is sobering and I would just say as we bring this to uh, a close our listeners if you if you find yourself in that maybe category where you're thinking well there's no way I would ever could ever do anything like that. And and we're not saying that you would. We're saying just just be try to think clearly about the gospel and that you were dead in in transgressions and sins and God made you alive with Christ. And so it wasn't of your own doing and and you're not keeping yourself in the faith either. Mm-hmm. God is preserving you. And I think if if the other thing is if you if you're maybe living in fear right now, if, if these things are cascading or avalanching on you such that it's causing you to curl up in a, in a fetal position or, or just, just live kind of like on edge, we need to realize our God is bigger than that and, and bigger than the world and that we, we serve a sovereign God who is providentially orchestrating all things and, and that's our hope and we have a real hope. Mm-hmm. And so don't, don't let that go and, and fall to a, a fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, final thought for me, just to bring us again to the, the idea of the gospel and our need for Christ. C.S. Lewis has a good a good essay called "Learning in Wartime," mm-hmm. and he makes the point. He he's he's um he's saying why would people you know go to Oxford and, and study in the middle of a war, and he says that so many people say, oh, there, there's people dying all around us. How could you give your you know give yourself to studying this way? And his response is, people are actually dying all the time. War just brings that in front of your face in a unique way, and um. Shootings can do the same thing, you know. People are dying all the time. We were just, Mike, we were just at a, you know, retirement home 
a few days ago, and there are people who are passing from this life into eternity, you know, all the time. But sometimes a shooting or a disaster, it can it can remind us, oh man, I am just right on the brink, uh, you know, this life and then into eternity. So just as a Christian, it makes me think, and how can I live wholeheartedly for Christ in the short time that I have on earth? And things like this, I think, can prompt those thoughts in us. Mm-hmm. So anything else from you before we close this one? I think maybe it's a feels like a hard left turn, but Wendell Berry in his in his novel Jaber Crow talked about going up into the, the church where this guy was a janitor and didn't feel accepted. And he went up there and took a nap and he he didn't know if he was having a dream or what, but he just saw all the people. He saw everybody and he in this one sentence, I just want to read this paragraph, okay? It just it just caps things off. I guess I would say this. This should drive us back to the church that we can't live alone mm-hmm. and you know uh, this, there's this guy, he, here's what he wrote. One day I, when I went up there to work, sleepiness overcame me and I lay down on the floor behind the back pew to take a nap. Waking or sleeping, I couldn't tell which. I saw all the people gathered there who had ever been there before. I saw them as I had seen them from the back pew where I had seen Uncle Othi who would not come in any further while Aunt Cordy sang in the choir. And I saw them as I had seen them from the back pew on the Sunday before. I saw them in all the times past and to come all somehow they are there in their own time and all in time and in no time. They're cheerfully singing, working and singing women, the men quiet or reluctant or shy, the weary, the troubled in spirit, the sick, the lame, the desperate, the dying, the little children tucked into the pews beside their elders, the young married couples full of visions, the old men with their dreams, the parents proud of their children, the grandparents with tears in their eyes, the pairs of young lovers attentive only to each other on the edge of the world, the grieving widows and widowers, the mothers and fathers of children newly dead, the proud, the humble, the attentive, the distraction. I saw them all. I saw the creases crisscross on the back of the men's necks, their work-thick hands, the Sunday dresses faded with washing. They were just there. They said nothing, and I said nothing. I seemed to love them all with the love that was mine merely because it included me. And I would just say, friends, um, run back to to Christ always, but to the church. Uh, you think of a story like this, even the one shunned, love them all. But I think the idea that when you see a tragedy or hear of a tragedy, it causes you to think about eternal things, but then it causes you to think about how am I going to live now with everyone? And it seems like everything that you were worried about dissipates because the more important things have come to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And I just think the idea of, there's mothers and fathers of children newly dead that are grieving. There's widows and widowers. And when we think that, our heart just melts, or it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brings you back to want to love the community of God's people. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, listeners, for joining us on this one. Uh, we're going to bring the, p- the plane in for a landing, but I hope this was helpful to you and gave you even just encouragement and knowing how to pray and process uh until next time on the podcast have a a great week serving the lord and enjoying life with him we will talk to you next time god bless you and have a good day